Welcome to The Way Church. We're glad you're joining us for today's message. For sermon notes, service times, and more information, check us out online at thewaychurchva.com. Now let's join Pastor Matt Rothy with this week's message. sermon lesson this morning is from Luke's Gospel, chapter 24. Normally, we read that at the beginning of our sermon message. Today, we're going to read it at the very end. So would you join me as we go before our God, asking him to bless our time in his word. Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be pleasing in your sight. O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. If you could be anyone from Scripture, anyone besides God the Father, God the Son, or God the Holy Spirit, if you could be anyone in the Bible, who would you be? If you had to pick, if you had to, which Bible character would you be? Guys, maybe you first think of somebody like Moses or David, like a hero from the Old Testament. Maybe even some of the... uh, prophets from the Old Testament are pretty cool. You think of like Isaiah and Elijah, they did some pretty awesome stuff. Guys, maybe you jump ahead to the New Testament, you think of like the bold Peter, maybe Paul starting churches, that's pretty cool, or one of the other apostles. Ladies, who do you think of? Maybe right off the bat, you think of like Eve, and I know she did the whole eating the fruit thing and giving it to Adam, but like, never mind all that. Scripture blames that on Adam anyways. Maybe you're like, okay, being the first and the mother of all the living, that's, that's pretty cool. Maybe you think of other like women of the Old Testament, like Deborah, who, who ruled Israel for a while and did a really good job. Maybe you think of some more obscure ones, like like JL, have you ever heard of her story? All right, so she like helped Israel win a battle by inviting to her house the opposing general, and then she drove a tent peg through his head while he took a nap. All right, like a warrior, pretty awesome, like that. Maybe you jump forward to the New Testament, ladies, you think of any of the Marys, Mary the mother of Jesus, Mary Magdalene, the first to see the resurrected Jesus, or Lydia, who helped start some of the New Testament churches. I don't know, who do you think of? Who do you think of as, you consider that question, if you, if you were to be a Bible character, who would you be? Maybe a level deeper. What does your choice say about you? Think about who you wanna be. What does that say about you and the way you see yourself, the way you see life and all the world? What does it say about the way you see your God? This morning, my prayer is that by the end of this sermon, you think about that question, who, who do I want to see myself? And you want to see yourself as a guy named Cleopas. Cleopas is about as average as it gets. He's a disciple in the New Testament, but not like one of the 12 disciples. In fact, Cleopas is maybe someone you never even heard of before you jumped into this sermon this morning in Luke chapter 24. And yet Cleophas is somebody who is a believer. He's someone who is a believer and was walking through this journey called life and was met by his risen Savior. And he walked away from that experience never the same again. That's the reason. That's why 
I want you and I to see ourselves as Cleopas, to relate to him, but not just to relate to him, but to imitate, to imitate a very specific aspect of his faith life, his eyes of faith, eyes of faith that saw his risen Savior, that Christ lives, and saw himself, saw his life, saw the world, saw his God, never the same again. Luke chapter 24 is the only place where we get Cleopas, and the section that he's found in begins this way. Verse 13, now that same day, this is God's word so far, you should probably get some context before we go any further. The story, the narrative with Cleopas begins on that same day. That same day as what? Well, it's very, very relevant, actually, that this same day is the very day of Easter, the first Easter when the women went to the tomb and then they came back from the tomb and they told all these things to the 11 and to the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the others with them who told this to the apostles. They didn't believe the women because their words seemed like nonsense to them. Peter, however, got up, ran to the tomb, bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves, and he went away wondering to himself, what had happened? Now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. What do we know about the two disciples? to Emmaus? Well, I already gave one thing away. One is named Cleopas. The other thing that we know about them is this, is that they were there. They were with the disciples on the very first Easter. They were the others, and now two of them were headed out. They were going. On that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked alongside, along with them. But they were kept from recognizing him. I said my goal is that I want you to see yourself as Cleopas. So maybe step back and, and think through what this person had gone through in the last week. A week prior, Jesus rides into Jerusalem to people shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Maybe Cleopas was there. I mean, crowds were there. Jesus' disciples followed with him. Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, Jesus taught and hung out with his disciples. Perhaps Cleopas was there listening to the teaching. Thursday night, Jesus celebrates the past with his disciples. Cleopas hears that later on that night, Jesus is arrested. Friday, he starts freaking out. He's afraid because they arrested Jesus and they crucified him. So he texts Peter, James, and John, hey, where's the Airbnb where you guys are hiding out? I want to go hide out with you in fear of the Jewish leaders and what they might do to me. So he goes. Cleopas spends Friday night, all day Saturday, and Sunday there, afraid. Sunday morning comes, brunch is interrupted by the women saying, Jesus isn't in the tomb. So they pack it up and they leave. They head out on the same road 
Jesus and all these disciples came in on. And somewhere along their journey, traffic merges. Jesus joins them and he, and he, and he keeps them from recognizing him. How? We don't know, but they don't recognize him. And Jesus asks them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. The question literally stops them in their tracks. What are you talking about? The Bible says they, they, they stood still as he asked. And their faces were downcast. It's, it's this mix of sadness and grief because somebody they loved, somebody they cared about, someone that they had hopes in died. But it's, it's the sadness mixed with this surprise that you're really going to ask us that? Like, you? Who, who are you? They stare at him. They look at each other. They look back at him because this guy, this, this stranger who just starts walking along with him, starts dropping eaves, listening to their conversation, and then at the first chance he gets, just decides, hey, what are you guys talking about? And he puts his finger in it. They're hurt. There's sadness. Someone we loved, yeah, he died, and now we can't even find him. And you want to say, hey, what are you talking about? Remember who these people are. This is, this is Jesus, risen from the dead, who loves Cleopas and his travel companion. He's not just calculated in like a cold way. He's going somewhere with this, not, not just literally with them. He, he's going somewhere with what he's doing with his questions. And so remember who Cleopas is. He, he's not some like evil Israelite person who like wanted Jesus dead. He's not an unbeliever. He's a disciple. He believes in Jesus. And I'm, and I'm saying all of this because for Christians who are met by their risen Savior, for Christians who experience Easter, well, it doesn't automatically mean that we're immune to sadness. What's made you stop, stand still, even, even in this past week, and feel that? Perhaps this is one reason why we can relate to Cleopas. Here's another. After just standing still, Cleopas answers Jesus' question, and he does so with a question of his own. Cleopas asked him, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened here in these days? You know what Cleopas does, right? He questions God with a question of his own. And there's a little bit of spice sprinkled in. He says, yo, are you the only one who's been living under a rock? Like Jesus, are, are you the only one who does not know in all of Jerusalem what's been going on in these days? I said, this is maybe another reason we can relate. Does it ever happen that when you get sad, you get mad 
at God. And maybe, maybe you're not so blunt, like, Jesus, are you living under a rock? But you ask questions like, where are you in my life? Jesus, when are you going to show up and keep your promises? Jesus, do you, do you really not know what's going on, not in here or in me these days? Do you not know? I got to think the angels were laughing at Jesus' response. Cleopas asked him, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know about the things that have happened in these days? What things? What things? You wouldn't be at fault if you thought maybe at this point Jesus was toying with his disciples a little bit. But he's not just messing with them. He's leading them to articulate and understand for themselves the reason behind their sadness, why it is that they're downcast. If you haven't sensed it yet, Cleopas is rather fired up about these things going on in these days. And, and when Jesus asked him what things, that, that, takes the, that takes the cake. Cleopas answers him, about Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests, our rulers, handed him over to be sentenced to death and they crucified him. But we hoped, we had hoped that he was going to redeem Israel. You get what he's saying. We had hope. Now we don't. And just to be clear, he's not talking about eternal spiritual hope. He's talking about very personal political hope. We hope Jesus was going to restore things, redeem Israel to the good old days, the days of, of King David. Now his hopes were crushed. But it gets sadder still. There's more. And what's more? It's the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb this morning, but didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it, just as the women said. But they didn't see Jesus. There's something going on here that's more tragic than simply two disciples grieving the loss of Jesus. You see it, right? There's something going on here that is more sad than simply we hoped he was going to redeem Israel. Cleopas and his companion, they knew about Jesus. They knew what he was capable of. He is powerful in word and deed before God and people. They saw his miracles. They even heard his words. He's powerful in word. He references the third day. Hmm. Did Jesus ever say anything about what would happen on the third day? They were there on Easter morning 
They heard the women. They heard the women describe that Jesus wasn't there, that the angel said he was in fact alive. They heard Peter come back and say, yeah, I, I didn't see him either. You'd think that maybe they'd hang out for a little while longer on Easter. That maybe they'd wait and see what, what was actually going on. Maybe they'd even see Jesus like Mary said she saw him. But they don't. They decide to pack it up and head home. And that's why this is the most sad thing. Remember who this is. These are disciples. These are believers. These are people who follow Jesus, listened to his word, heard his word. And yet, because of all the things that have happened in these days, they were blind to Christ. They didn't see Christ. They didn't see him. They didn't remember what he said because of why? All the things going on. And perhaps most sad of all, this is why we can relate to Cleopas. I mean, you know what Jesus is capable of. You've heard what he said. You know full well his promises. And we get discouraged because our day doesn't go the way we want it to. The project doesn't get done on time. So-and-so said something about me. And because of all these things that are going on, We don't see Christ. We don't see his word that, that he actually says something about what's going on. We get so pessimistic about our plans for the future, about goals that we had, hopes that we had. And we forget because of all the things happening in here, out there, that Jesus actually said something about the way we're feeling. We get downcast. When our, maybe our kids won't listen to us. Maybe our, maybe our spouse or our friends don't seem to hear us. We get sad that people that we love are hurting. And yet because of all the things going on, We don't see Christ. We don't see his word. We get so overwhelmed by how busy we are, by all the things that we have to do, go from work to this thing, to that thing, to, to the kids thing here, and then, then our weekends, that even our social life, even our spiritual life just becomes one more to do. We forget because of all the things that are going on in these days, what Christ said. We get anxious. We actually feel anxiety and fear as we read the news and see all the things going on out there in these days. And we don't even see Christ is right here where he's been.
all along in his word. I wonder if Jesus would, would actually ever walk up besides us and, and, he, and he heard us thinking or heard us talking to our friends about all the things going on. If he did ask, hey, what are you talking about? And we'd say, oh, well, let me tell you. And I wonder if like Cleopas, we actually did. We actually started to pour out all of the things and then this and then that. And then you wouldn't believe this. And what's more? I wonder if Jesus wouldn't reply the same way he did to Cleopas. How foolish you are. Jesus said it, not me. How foolish you are. How foolish you are and slow to believe all that the prophets had spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter into glory? Jesus tells us what what the height of foolishness is. It is closing our eyes to Christ and his word because of our focus on all these things going on in here or out there in these days. This is foolish. You're being, you're being foolish. And not that you don't believe, not that you have zero little faith or none whatsoever, but you're slow to believe. What does that mean? It means you're slow to take the words, the promises that Christ gives and apply them to all the things, all the things going on in here or out there on this day. Jesus calls it out. And yet he doesn't just walk away from them, shaking his head. He keeps walking with them. And this is what he does. Beginning with Moses and all the prophets, Jesus explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. Jesus, in his ever-continuing goodness, explains everything. Jesus, in his abiding patience, comes and walks with them and says, listen, you had these hopes for redemption. Let me tell you what it really means that I have redeemed you. This is what Jesus loves to do. He loves to meet you wherever you are, walk with you wherever you're going. And yeah, he loves to listen to you. But more than that, he loves to have you listen to him as he again and again and again comforts you guides you, encourages you, and fills you with all the things, all the things written in scripture about him. Beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he were going farther, but they urged him strongly, stay with us for it is nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them when he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and gave it to them. Then their eyes were open, and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. Jesus spends the entire afternoon in a Bible study with two friends. Jesus walks with them, discipling them, his disciples, in the only way that really it works. 
by sharing what is written in Scripture about him. And these two disciples whose, whose faces were just downcast were now excited to have him with them. And they say, why don't you hang out a little longer? Why don't you stay with us? It's getting late. Jesus obliges, says, sure. He says, hey, you guys mind if I say the prayer at the meal? They go, yeah, be our guest. He says, all right. He breaks bread and they're like, it's him. It's really him. And they recognize him. They recognize him. You think about this. Jesus could have at any moment revealed himself to them. I mean, he's, he's Jesus. He could have like walked along with them and just surprised them and said, here I am. But he didn't do that. He could have at any point, you know, like, you know, maybe he's like Obi-Wan Kenobi with like, you know, the, the hood up. He could have just like taken it off and been like, guys, it's, it's really me. But he didn't do that. No, he explains everything written in scripture about himself. That's how they recognize him. That's how their eyes were opened. Open scripture opens eyes. Open scripture opened their eyes to see who Christ is. Open scripture opens our eyes. Friends, open scripture and see this, that you have a savior who, who isn't far off, but came and came in to be with us when we were far from him and gave up himself so that he would never be without us. He gave up himself with his holy, precious blood. See, this is the heart of a savior that you have. He gave up himself for you so that his presence would be with you always, so that he would always walk with you. Open your eyes and see that, that in spite of all the things going on out there and in here that we have happening in our lives, that we have a Savior who lives. And what did God do? He made every enemy a footstool for him. He lives and he lives and he reigns and he works everything out for the good of those who love him. Open your eyes and see. Open your eyes and see that no, many, no matter how many times we walk down a wrong path, He's there with us, sharing again and again his comfort, his promise, his forgiveness, his hope, his peace, and his joy with you, patiently with you. Look, apart from God's word, we don't see this. Apart from God's word, we don't understand who Christ is. Apart from God's word, we don't believe in who Jesus is, and we remain with our eyes closed. But open scripture opens eyes. Open scripture opens eyes to see who our Savior is, to see who we are, and to see the God that we have. You might think Jesus just kind of has a flair for the dramatic, that he waited for this like moment and like kept them from recognizing him, and then he surprises himself. But really, Jesus reveals himself to these disciples in the simplest, most straightforward way. He points them to his word. And you get catch how the disciples responded. Listen, when he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it and gave it to them. Then their eyes were open and they recognized him and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were our hearts not 
were our hearts, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened scripture to us? Did you catch the disciples' response? They didn't go, woo, we've seen Jesus. They didn't go, oh yeah, we're, we're the first to see Jesus. All right, maybe like the third or fourth after Mary and Peter, but we have seen Jesus. And what'd they say? Were not our hearts burning as he talked and shared his word and opened scripture to us? We've walked with these two disciples. We've walked with these two disciples in our life before. We've been where they were. Where, yeah, they know what God's word has to say. And we say, yeah, yeah, I know it. I know what it says. I know what the claims of Christianity are. I don't need to learn anything new about it. We've walked with these disciples. We've walked in fear. We've walked in, in sadness and anxiety and discouragement. And yet you see what Jesus does. Again and again, he walks to us and talks to us, and he does so through his word. This is kind of personal, but I got to share this, that I've been studying God's word in some kind of like, call it a professional or academic capacity for now the majority of my adult life. I share that because the truth is whenever I sit down with God's word, even though I know what it says, I'm continually surprised. My eyes are opened every time I open scripture. God opens up my eyes to see something about him, something great, something glorious that I missed last time. He opens up my eyes to see something about myself and my identity of who I am in him. He opens up my eyes to see the way things really are, to see true things, to see him, wisdom. That's why I want you to see yourself as Cleopas. I want you to open up your eyes and see. And open scripture opens eyes. Do you have fears? Do you, do you have guilt? Do you have feelings of discouragement or, or sadness? Open scripture and see the promises of Christ. See all that is written about him and see all the ways that it addresses who we are and, and who we are in him. I wish, I wish that we could do what they did and just walk around every afternoon, all afternoon, talking about the things and the promises of God's word and all that is written about Christ in scripture. But we don't always have time for that. And yet you still have it. You still have his words. It's near you, it is in your mouth, and quite practically, it's on all your phones. You have this. And see how it changed everything for Cleopas. They got up and returned at once, and they found the 11 and those with them assembled together and saying, it is true, the Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. Then the two told what had happened 
on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. Open scripture leads to opened eyes, and we could go on with a whole nother sermon and talk about how opened eyes lead to open mouths. But we'll say this much just today, that open scripture opened eyes for Cleopas and and changed everything. Here's somebody who is walking in one direction, and even though it was late at night, and even though they had already completed the seven-mile journey, they got up at once, and they returned back to the disciples. Because it was true. Christ had risen. He is risen, and he is risen to give us eyes of faith. I don't know, maybe it's too psychoanalytical to ask, does who you want to be from the Bible say something about yourself? Perhaps. But I want you to see yourself with eyes of faith as Cleopas, someone who knows his Savior, someone who knows and yet has all this going on out there and in here, and yet also gets to experience the joy of having Jesus walk with him or her and again and again and again hear from him who he is. He is the Savior risen from the dead for you. Amen. Would you please stand for the reading of our gospel lesson, Luke chapter 24. Now that same day, two of them were going to the village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up, walked along with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them named Cleopas asked him, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? What things? He asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests, our rulers, handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. We had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. What's more, it's the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but didn't find the body. They came and told us what they had, that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. And some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said. They did not see Jesus. He said to them, how foolish you are. How slow to believe all the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he were going farther, but they urged him strongly, stay with us for it's nearly evening and the day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened and they recognized him. He disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road 
and opened the scriptures to us. They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven and those with them assembled together and saying, It is true, the Lord has risen and appeared to Simon. Then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise be to you, O Christ. 